Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 117. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide and have been a full-time outdoor instructor and guide since founding the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School in 1999. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident in the natural world through our bushcraft and guide training semester programs and multi-week canoe and snowshoe expeditions. You can check out the show notes to all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. If you're interested in learning more about our college-accredited and GI Bill-approved programs, visit the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School on the web at jackmtn.com. And check out our online network and digital learning academy at bushcraftschool.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. This is an on-the-road edition coming to you from further afield than usual. This is the first time that I've left the greater Masardis metropolitan region in quite a while, except to go into the North Main Woods and traveled across the border internationally, uh, and I'm here in Tracy, New Brunswick, at Full Tang Outfitters. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with my old friend Blake Towsley, and we're sitting here having uh, morning coffee and scheming, and uh, yeah, just watching shitty YouTube videos. Yeah, watching, being entertained by the glorious uh, thing that is the internet. Um, yeah, and uh, just just chilling out, having a having a good laugh. Uh, but you know, some of the things. This is the one week that I have uh, between the wilderness canoe expedition semester. And then I had scheduled a week, and then the Wilderness Bushcraft semester, the first one starts tomorrow, so really don't have a ton of time to kind of get out and and visit with friends and just kind of do non-work stuff, and I'm fully taking advantage of that today. I did try to talk you into a road trip up to Labrador. You did, and I probably would have jumped at it, but I just have, you know, I can't get away for too long. And I was, and I had a couple things to do this week, so I couldn't, uh, this week was like your only week, and... Uh... I have pretty much every week, but this week, so. <laughs> yeah, so we'll have to get that done. But still scheming about a big winter trip up that way. Maybe not as far as Labrador, but off the Labrador Highway. Yeah, definitely. We uh, spent a lot of time last year talking about a trip up to, winter trip up in the Manicougan area and still want to do it. Yeah, I would definitely want to see that area. Yeah. Go up into the, it looks, the, the environment, uh, the ecology looks very pristine and, uh, I would rather not be there during bug season, so winter seems like a better option. I can't imagine that the bugs there must be pretty fierce. <laughs> but you're probably either like indoors or in a net, you know, like a net yeah, over your head. Just or cover smudge pots yeah, yeah. surrounding you. Uh, yeah, for sure. It'd be tough. We also talked about the other option of taking the Quebec North Shore Labrador Railroad and just hopping off. Yeah, wherever you want. Yeah, go for a little jaunt in the forest for a bit. Uh which the, it's the classic put in for the Moisey River canoe trip where you get on the get on the train with your boats, hop off at the headwater lakes and the train station right at the mouth where the Moisey hits the uh, hits the ocean. So you're like, you know, a mile walk from the it's like logistically simple, a hard, long, grueling trip, which I've never done. It's on my bucket list, but uh, logistically pretty simple. Yeah, I've never been in that part of the country either. 
Yeah. I really enjoy it. La- I think it was last year. One of the when COVID was all the rage. Yeah. I, yeah, I remember just... when it was super popular. Everyone everyone was having a time. I, well, I wanted to just take a, take the sea kayak and just drive up that north shore yeah. of the Bay of St. Lawrence. Uh, and just keep going past like Set Setil and Mingan, and just go to the end of the road. There's something about like end of the road places that, you know, where the road just ends. It doesn't go any further. Uh, you know, been there in like Key West, Florida, back in the day. Been there in Homer, Alaska, where it's like, okay, that's it. Maine, sort of like that. Like if, once you get out past Allagash, the road ends on the map, but it just turns into a like a gravel logging road. And I imagine that's probably what a lot of those end of the road places are like. Yeah, but. I grew up in an end of the road kind of place. But it's just the romance of like, oh, this is where the road ends. A lot of bugs where the road ends. Yeah. <laughs> I always, I make that point about like Aroostook County, Maine. I'm like, we're not on the way to anywhere, you know, like a lot of places you read these, you see movies or read books and, you know, people are kind of passing yeah. through to get somewhere. Like, your classic Midwest, somebody's going from like New York to California to find stardom and you end up getting trapped in a small town. I was like, that doesn't happen in like a rooster County, Maine. Cause we're not on the way to anywhere. Like no one's going through here to get anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you'd never meet anybody who's like, oh, I was just passing through yeah, and I ended yeah, up no, laying no, down no, roots. No, no. Like, no, no, it, your family's from here for like a hundred years. Yeah, same with the, uh, it's like taking the, the highway through Smooth Rock. Like nobody goes that way. They go on like the East shore of the Lake Superior. Yeah. Up to, like Wawa. Well, up to like, Thunder Bay. That's way better Wawa. than like going through like <laughs> endless, like boreal forest with nothing. <laughs> I remember when I drove that. I did. I went through Wawa. I drove it in March. I was actually driving from from uh, New Hampshire to Alaska, but I drove it in March. And I remember driving through Wawa and just seeing the. Is it the world's biggest goose? What What's the? Uh, I believe so. I don't know if that's their claim to fame, but uh, it might be. Yeah, it was a. It was a pretty. Big well, it's goose. a big goose. There's yeah. no doubt about that. I don't know if it's the world's biggest. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so scheming about uh, winter trips here and just, uh, um, yeah. Uh, so we did our winter programs last year. Blake and I worked together. We did the Boreal Snowshoe Expedition uh, in Maine, which is always always fun, <clears throat> always interesting. And we actually just had a guy on the canoe expedition who was on that trip, and we were talking about, it. you know, you're sitting around, like, in your shirt sleeves, and it's, like, you know, w- relatively warm out, and... And we were reminded, oh, do you remember the night that it was 61 below yeah, zero? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, oh my God, yeah. And other people on the course are just sort of like, I don't know, horrified is the right word, but they're like, you know, how do you exist at those temperatures? And Everything just breaks. It was, yeah, yeah. it was cold. <laughs> it was like that's cold. just like cuddle up next to the wood stove because everything just breaks. Go outside just long enough to cut firewood to keep the stove roaring. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was quite the... It's always challenge. like uh, that, like half dead balsam that like doesn't give off very much heat. Yeah, you guys just gotta like full of moisture. Yeah, you just gotta stuff the stove with it. Constant twigs. There's always somebody who, and it's happened. I think every winter trip I've ever been on, somebody brings back a waterlogged piece of frozen birch, yeah. and it's like oh, I got this great piece of firewood, <laughs> and you're like it's really oh, heavy. Yeah, it like won't even burn. It just sits <laughs> in the stove and just kind of steams. Yeah, you hear the hit the steam hissing out of it. Yeah, yeah. not to say that like a piece of green wood at night or something's not. Uh... Is no. bad or nothing, but when uh, it's wicked cold and you're just trying to stay yeah, warm, you're just trying to keep the fire going for like between <laughs> like uh, the few hours of sleep that you can get uh, when it's really that cold. Maybe cut something like a little damp to uh, to keep the embers going, so in case uh, it doesn't burn out so easily. So ironically, I've got like a pretty good uh, like a negative twenty Fahrenheit bag that I bring out. What is that in? Uh, that's freedom, right? Yeah. What's that in Canadian? I don't know. Like I mean, either sixty. Four. I'm unable I have no, to. I have no idea. Uh, yes. 
It's like if you go to the if you go to like the big outfitter. I'm as a main guide. I usually get that stuff from LL Bean because we get this crazy good guide discount. So just a, a good cold weather down bag. But the negative twenty, unless you're going somewhere like super specific, it's usually the coldest one they got. Like I think some of the like if you're gonna go up Everest or whatever, you can get a guy had a sixty below bag once, and yeah, it's like just crazy crazy amount of insulation. Yeah, mine's a minus thirty five Canadian. Uh, and then if you put like a, the liner and it goes down to like minus 45, some, something along those lines, I've had it for about, uh, 13 years. Yeah. And they, they usually get less warm the longer you have yeah. because the stuff breaks down. My point in bringing this up was <laughs> that I was plenty warm last winter when we were sleeping, right? I didn't get cold this past month. I've got this summer weight bag <laughs> that I brought with me on the canoe expedition and it just didn't warm up the whole month of May. Right. So I would just lay like, you know, it's, I think the bag's rated to like 30, 30 or 35 Fahrenheit, but when it was new and probably not so much. That's now. around zero Celsius, right? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Uh, but it was just, you know, a lot of the nights we had on the canoe expedition were below freezing. So I was freezing cold on this canoe expedition at night uh, compared to when it was like bitter, bitter cold all winter. And it's just having the right sleep system gear. Yeah, it was the coldest uh, spring since I've been on the East Coast. Yeah. Just cold and wind all, for a whole month. And you know what? You know what No really rain, though. Not a lot of rain. No rain. The water level dropped pretty dramatically, yeah. pretty fast. Uh, but, um, yeah, when there's those huge winds, it's really fun to go paddle a, paddle a canoe into them. Oh, yeah. That's the funnest way. Yeah. That was great. I, everyone loves paddling. Like, <laughs> it, it's one of the bigger, uh, more enjoyable ways to uh, paddle is into a strong headwind. Empty boat, too. One oh, yeah. guy in the back, yep. empty front. No weight in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> if you want to have fun, I say you set yourself up in that situation. Yeah. Bigger the boat, the better. Even better, big shallow lake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Real shallow. Real shallow. The shallower, the better. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, just uh, kind of scheming about winter trips. And we also, um, you know, I, I think we talked about this before we hit the old record button, but just we share a common love of something that I think is finally getting traction out there in the world. And, and that's wild pooping, you know, just being able to go out into the forest and it's not just for like big tech company CEOs anymore that are, yeah, the common man can finally outdoor poop, right? Yeah. That we can just, you know, you take, you take your little toilet kit and head out into the backwoods and, and, and poop like, like mother nature intended. I was having a bunch of health issues and that until I found outdoor pooping. And now they just my anxiety of holding it in, no longer. I just spend my whole time in the bush, pooping. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're spoofing the uh, what, what were we talking about? Like wild water? Yeah, the the like uh, absorbing nature's force through like uh, various springs. But then all these spring, all these people are showing up to these springs and like leaving garbage everywhere and polluting them. So yeah. <laughs> There's a great spring just south on Route 11, just south of Masardis, the cold spring. It's like a lunch pullout on the highway. Is it, uh, it's got a lot of energy coming up, earth energy coming out of it? Because so, I'd like to go leave a bunch of twisted tea cans by that's, it. So that's the thing, right? Is the ones that people know about. Like, you go there, you find twisted tea or Bud Light. Bunch cans. of toilet paper clothes. Yeah, there's like somebody left an old diaper next <laughs> yeah, to it. You're yeah, like, oh, that's what I want. Uh, it's beautiful. People. Thanks. And I remember that spot because I've had to jam on the brakes like at least five times in my life. Usually in the spring and usually at night because you come over this little rise and there's always a moose standing in the road there. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm going to die here. Like public and, service announcement. Yeah. Instead of leaving your twisted tea cans at various 
ends of the road, how about you do the, what everyone in New Brunswick and Maine does and just toss them out along the dirt roads <laughs> like a regular human? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Aroostook County, Maine, the, I always joke with people about, uh, and I think we talked about this in the last podcast, but the only like beverage cans you ever see are Bud Lights and Twisted Teas, right? And, yeah. And I think you were mentioned, uh, oh, the last... Uh, the, the Bud Light... Uh, the, the Coors Light we saw. Yeah, you Coors see the, Light thing you see the, the Coors Light track. because of uh, the Bud Light backlash. <laughs> so funny. The, yeah, I grew up on a dead-end dirt road in New Hampshire, and it was just like three miles from downtown. So all the kids, when they, you know, teenagers would yeah. go get a bunch of beer, they'd Bush go party. down roads like yeah. that, and then they chuck all the empty cans out so they wouldn't have any evidence that they got pulled over. Natural progression of things. Yeah, so I, I would always <laughs> love, uh, you know, every every weekend, like every Sunday morning walking the dog, and hey, there's like 800 more beer cans. Right? Hey, you do that. Nice morning walk. Get yourself enough uh, cans for a pack of cigarettes. Well, they didn't have. That's the thing. In, in, like Maine, they uh, you return your cans for a nickel. In New Hampshire, you didn't. So nobody. Would, there was no incentive for anybody to ever pick them up. Good story uh, about that. We have so they. Uh, that was probably ten years ago. We had a young man on a course, and he was from uh, the south, uh, like southeastern U.S. I don't maybe Virginia. Uh, Somewhere like that, but from a very... My geography is pretty terrible. I have no idea where... I don't even know which direction southeast is. It's like over there. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) It's like from here, go that way and just keep going. But a very... And he... uh, Kind of a churchy part of the country, right? Like a religion had a big thing there. So when he was in Maine... He, we were, it was like the end of the first week and he's like, oh, this is a really religious part of the world, huh? And I was like, what do you mean? I I don't, I'm not tracking what you're getting after. And he says, well, all these little towns have redemption centers. And I started (laughs) laughing because he thought that was like a church oriented thing, but it's like where you take your empty liquor and beer bottles to get a nickel back for him. So (laughs) it was pretty funny. Speaking of Bible belts, you're in one at the, uh, the moment. Am I? Oh yeah. Tracy, New Brunswick? Well, just uh, this general area of, uh, well, I think I'm generally just like a lot of New Brunswick. Uh, I think just in Tracy, which is like a village, there's probably four or five churches. Wow. Why? Just It's just how it's always been? Well, it's probably food? something about like evading taxes. Oh, it's perfect. Pro- that's, <laughs> not so much about worshipping a, a deity, but uh, uh, evading taxes, maybe. Huh. That's how I'd put it. That's what I'd do with it. Oh, nice. I'm actually thinking about starting a church. Nice. Uh... Well, if you need any sign-ups, let me know. Yeah. Well, ch- first step, church. Eventual progress to being cult leader. Huh. That's my five-year plan. And then step five, profit? <laughs> yes. Well, know. step three, profit. <laughs> I was watching I'm going to milk uh, people for money like a dairy farmer. <laughs> I started watching this documentary about this guy. I, I guess he had like a kind of a church cult thing near Waco, Texas back in the day. I'm only on episode one. I don't know how it ends, but I'm going to pattern my life after this I think this so. Guy. It's a good idea. I've yeah. got the same haircut as that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great stuff. Uh, so one of the things that we're doing down here, uh, Blake, as the CEO and founder of <laughs> Full Tang Outfitters, is currently making a custom pack. This is going to be a little bit of a sort of a history lesson about custom gear, and I've probably finished with a bit of a rant on it. But so uh, you're in the process of making, designing, and making me a canoe pack. Yeah. And kind of the the specific thing that I'm going for is we use a lot of the blue canoe barrels when we're out paddling, right? <clears throat> and I use it like for running around the field school. 
uh, any of those things, if you, once you put your gear, like your camera or something, once it's in the blue barrel, like, it's good to go. It, it doesn't matter if it rains, like, it doesn't matter, like, it, it's fine. It's safe there. Uh, dogs get a little... Yeah, get all worked up. Getting all worked up. If you hear stuff in the background, it's a dog. But once the gear's in the blue barrel, it's safe. So I was looking for, like, a kind of a day pack thing that'll just perfectly hold one of those 30-liter blue barrels. So I figure if I'm running around with my, with my, uh camera gear whatever like stuff for a class and it's just a good thing to have so you're kind of in the process of designing and building that yeah for me. uh yeah so kind of excited to yeah we'll have to see where it goes but uh like depends on the materials you want for it but uh you also want to be able to just it'd be a, like a, an actual usable sack without the, be- uh, the barrel in it so but just like super basic like yeah. nothing and nothing special with it no bells and whistles really maybe a bit of like uh, gold added to it to add some value, but uh, other than that, just basically like a canvas sack that holds a barrel. I'm fine without the whistles, but I think the bells... Yeah. Uh, basically, what I want to be able to tell people is that I'll be there with bells on and be, like, factually correct. Because <laughs> <clears throat> they won't be expecting it. And then when I have... I can just jump up and down and the little bells will ring. Yeah, and it scares bears away. Yeah. It's multi-purpose. The every Every tool I have must have, like, 15 purposes. The bear bells. Yeah. <laughs> They had, uh, when I lived in Alaska in the 90s, there was a big research thing that I read about in the Anchorage newspaper all about bear bells, right? And that they had, uh, they do most of these bear studies at uh, Katmai National Park. And the thing was that the, the researchers were trying to determine if the bear bells were effective or if they weren't. So they basically were... Uh, track the behavior of these bears and introduce the bells and see if the bears reacted to the bells and they didn't but so the bears like hadn't been around the bells enough for the bells to do what they were supposed to do but when one of the researchers broke a pencil in the field the bears all scattered so that was super interesting to me because you can sort of tell like one of the things in the woods at night everybody if they hear any leaves rustling they always think it's a bear and the thing with bears in the woods at night is that 80% of those bears have guns because of the Second Amendment. I'm not sure what it's like here. Uh, but but you can tell, actually, how big an animal is if you hear it breaking sticks because of how much weight it would take to break the stick as opposed to just rustling in the leaves. Right? I always found that interesting. So, in addition to the bear bells, we're going to have to like put some pencils that I could snap on the pack yeah, somehow. Yeah, like a, a pocket protector? Yeah. In the pack. Right. But with pencils instead of pens. Correct. And so it doesn't really need a pocket protector at all <clears throat> well, because it's pencils instead of pens. What's going to protect the pocket then? All I care is that it's historically accurate <laughs> and based off of something in the movie Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be called the Wormser Pack. Did Worm, Wormser was kind of a cool... I think he was a nerd because he was so young. But I think... Well, he was definitely a nerd. It was either, he was very good with computers. I think it's got to be Lewis or Gilbert. It's going to be based off of something they would care. The Gilbert Pack. There you go. <laughs> in addition to uh, our enjoyment of the outdoors, we share a love of 80s yeah, films. Yeah, Revenge 80s of the Nerds being near the top of the... <laughs> was, uh, was it Meatball? No, uh, what did we watch? The the ski one. Hot Dog? Hot Dog, there oh, yeah. we go. Yeah, Hot Dog. Was... I never watched that one before. Oh. Uh, it's everything you could want in a movie. A tale of young Harkin Banks going on and taking on the skiing establishment. Yeah. <laughs> You just couldn't get away with making those these days. They're so like <laughs> creepy, creepy, cringy, rapey. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> as a time capsule, they're pretty awesome. And they're just as a movie, they're just pretty awesome too. Um, yeah. So wild pooping. It's uh, 
It's not just for CEOs anymore. No, definitely not. We're Change. actually we're, we're coming out with a program that you can buy uh, on how to progress from the toilet to the wild in your pooping. It's changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, there we go. So there's about the, the kind of custom pack design. And really, it's just about sizing it to fit that blue barrel. But I have a rant that we went on. I went on pretty deep on this last course. You know, just hanging around the fire at night with nothing to really talk yeah, about. Yeah, strange so. for you having rants around fires. I yeah, never, imagine yeah, that. Very odd. Uh, but so the, the rant kind of went like, so whenever somebody goes on a TV show, specifically we're going to invent the name of a show that kind of encapsulates all of the reality TV shows that are out there. So... When somebody goes on the, the TV show titled Solo by Myself Without Clothes, <laughs> whenever they come off the TV show, the, uh, they always, I've heard this a bunch of times, and they're like, you know, after being on Solo by Myself Without Clothes, I looked around the, uh, I looked around at what was available in the knife market, and I couldn't find one to fit my specific needs. No, I couldn't find the perfect, the perfect blade, yeah. right? So, and then they always go on to design their perfect blade. And, and I just feel like this is inherently dishonest. And I wish somebody would just own up to it and be honest about it. Because what they're saying is that despite this being mankind's oldest tool with <laughs> 7 million designs currently in production, they couldn't find the one that specifically <laughs> solved the problems that they needed. Which was to make money off a knife. <laughs> yeah. So instead of that, instead of saying that, if someone would just be honest and say, in order to try to cash in on my five minutes of celebrity after being on solo by myself without clothes, I've decided to market this knife product. And if someone would do that, contact us and we will buy some of those knives. Like, I'll be in booth 48 at the Blade Show. <laughs> just honesty. A little bit of honesty. And preferably if it's also co-designed by Israeli Special Forces. Oh, you can't get better than Israeli Special Forces. <laughs> we had a guy on the canoe expedition he had this folding seat and that was the the ongoing joke was oh this thing was co-designed by israeli <laughs> special forces <laughs> well you can't if anybody knows about canoe seat design it's the israeli special forces <laughs> like they've been in the canoe seat game for a long time and there's just really there's just no one better yeah when you think about like canoe country traditional canoe skills where else do you think of except the middle east desert exactly exactly <laughs> So yeah, if you're out there, if you're going to go on some TV show and then try to market your knife, uh, you know, if you're honest about it, send me a line and I'll be happy to buy one. But if you're going to use the tired old, well, there wasn't a knife out there that met my specific needs, like, okay, then we'll just lump you in with all the other knuckleheads that are making stuff up and being dishonest. Yeah. Good rant there. I feel like I'm, I'm glad to get well, that Well, he test. got it out of you. That's yeah. what's really important. Yeah. Much like wild pooping, getting it out of you. Just the health benefits. Yeah. No, it's just like reconnecting with nature to go out and find some pristine glade in the forest and then defecate like my life depended on it. <laughs> the best is uh, to really like get the full uh, aspect of it is to head out to a wing night the night before. <laughs> it, That'll really connect you with nature. So we did a couple of trips on the canoe expedition, right? The first one, <coughs> river with unimproved campsite so no outhouses or anything and the second one we were on the Allagash I hope you left a bunch of beer cans around the fire oh, and diapers yeah. and old like underwear yeah. I love showing up to campsites when they got that but the second one on the Allagash nice outhouses you know like if it's so of course I had like stomach thing one night on the trip and of course it was that's a, the funnest part about being in the bushes stomach things it was a rainy night and there were no outhouses so just having to get up and like go out like 
I don't know, three times in the night in the rain. You're like, oh, this could never happen, you know, and there's like a beautiful outhouse or some other way or, you know, had I known, I would have set up like a, like a tarp or something to keep you dry, but just like cold and rainy and you, those are the nights where you're like not wanting the, the stomach issues. I, those are the nights where you lay there and you think about wild pooping and you're like, maybe it's not all <laughs> just glory. And... <laughs> yeah, I had a much similar uh, situation happen in March. Uh, we're out on uh, camping on Lake Abitibi with me and my buddies on our yearly uh, guys getaway fishing trip. And uh, I was persuaded to indulge in some beverages. And we're in the middle of the lake. We're actually camped on the middle of the lake. They got an ice hut. I got a canvas tent. And uh, I'm actually quite allergic to a lot of, well, I have food allergies, food sensitivities, let's say, to a wide variety of alcohols. But I threw caution to the wind. As one as <laughs> And... Uh, so after uh, stumbling into my tent and uh, starting my fire, which is definitely a safe way to go about camping with a wood stove, um, I was awakened <laughs> with a, a needing to purge myself and the inability to get very far. So uh, out on the ice, probably two in the morning, the temperature had dropped. It was probably, you know, with the wind, maybe minus 30. And uh, I just uh, recently uh, listened to uh, True North. So I was like very like probably on uh, the trip up there uh, was my first time or I'm not sure around the same time anyway. And so there I was kind of like laying in the on the ice in the middle of the night with no uh, sky because of the clouds or uh, no uh, no light because of uh, the cloud. Uh, pretty uh, strong wind and uh, snow blowing in uh, feeling pretty helpless and thinking to myself, boy. Would really be easy to die out here if I. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we got away from that. But uh, it's a it's, like, it's a good uh, humbling experience. Oh. Well, like last winter when it was so cold and we were on the trail, like those night those are just nights where you're like, oh god, let me make it to morning, let me make it to daylight at least, right? Because then it's like it dramatically. I mean, it's still really cold, but it's dramatically warmer in the. In a tent in a sleeping bag, oh, well, as opposed to with your pants around your ankles, passed out or uh, laying down in the snow, like uh, with various. Uh, this is when outdoor pooping is not uh, at its most beneficial. It's yeah, most pleasurable. Most pleasurable. Yeah. It doesn't have its most benefits. <laughs> yeah, I think though. Uh, yeah, we'll see once the once the tech company CEOs and all the once the... they get into it. Once we get Mark Zuckerberg into oh, the outdoor yeah. pooping. It'll take off, right? Yeah. We'll push it through various social media outlets. I'm envisioning like a whole arm of tourism. I'm actually starting a just like places. I'd like people to send me their photos of outdoor pooping, and we'll start an Instagram, and then we can be like, "See, it really is working." <laughs> I did used to keep count of the like the the best places you've ever defecated, right? And I used to think like, you do you have a book uh, or was it like a, a diary? A, is it a diary? Like a coffee table. you should see you should see the library I have. <laughs> A coffee table book about outhouses, I think, would be. So I, I still remember one of the best places ever. It was it, and I think the reason why it was so excellent because it had a, a split level door, right? So you could have the bottom door shut to kind of. But you could still see out. But yeah, you could still see out, and if you know, uh, which was nice. So this great story here, 1995. Tim's in Alaska. We're doing a 30 day primitive camp. Uh, in the Kenai National Wildlife Refuge. And one of the guys met some woman. I don't know where they met her. Farmer's Market. I don't know. But she invited us down to her family's land in Homer. Which was like uh, two hours south of where we were by the road. 
So we go down there, and this lady's talking about how her, uh, well, they've got this beautiful piece of land, like, right on the edge of the bluff, overlooking Kachemak Bay. You look in the distance, there's, like, mountains, and I remember sitting there in the outhouse, split-level door, I look out, there's, like, a bald eagle fighting a bear for a for a salmon, and uh, a moose ran by or something, and it was just, you know, sort of your typical gear, like, I can't believe that I'm actually getting to poop in somewhere this amazing. And I remember the lady was like, oh, and my niece is in Hollywood and she's going to be a big star. And I was like, oh, I bet your niece is probably the only person down there with that dream and goal. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But the next year it was the singer Jewel. It was her aunt. Oh, really? And then the next year she like hit it big with her first hit song. And I think that family has like a big reality TV show. Or has like the Kilcher family? We met Yule. Yeah, I'm a pretty big fan of all reality TV shows. I can't get enough. I brought it up because the old guy Yule, super guy. They said he would still like walk to town. Like I think it was eight miles every Saturday night and get drunk and dance till three in the morning. I was like, yeah, good for this guy. Well, that's how you keep young. Yeah, yeah. It was good, good times though. Good, good stuff. But what an outhouse! Like what a view. I had a similar uh, instance when I lived out west. We used to hunt in this area called the Porcupine Hills near Claire's home. Beautiful area. But there was this uh, abandoned uh, teepee trailer. It was filled with garbage at the start, but we cleaned it out and slept in it, no problem. But like teepee trailer, meaning like a trailer that would haul teepees around? Like what is uh, a teepee No, it just, it's, uh, I think it's just a brand name. Oh, okay. I'd never seen one before, but uh, someone uh, put a bunch of air holes with a shotgun into it. So, uh, so it would breathe. Yeah. <laughs> but we walked in there, and uh, it was full of garbage. But me, being the guy that forgot the tent, didn't have a problem with sleeping in there. So we just cleaned out the garbage, and the next morning, someone had placed like uh, an outhouse, not even an outhouse, Basically, just this, the the bottom portion that you sit on without the surrounding house. What do they call those? Like thunder something? Thunder? Like on the St. Croix, those ones, right? The, the, just the plastic thing that... It's just like the toilet part. There's yeah, no like, yeah, yeah, privacy yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah. There's a word for them. I can't remember. But. It's like the leading up to outdoor pooping. Yeah. It's like a good like... It's a gateway drug. Yeah, ga- yeah it's a gateway to outdoor poop. <laughs> but it, you're just like facing like the foothills and the mountains. And uh, you couldn't ask for a better morning. Cup of coffee, outdoor poop. Beautiful view. Oh, yeah. Don't get any better. You're like, this is why... I just slept in a trailer that was full of garbage the night before because I forgot the tent and my hunting partner was incredibly angry at me. (laughs) Ended up with a mange or something? (laughs) Yeah, but he did did shoot a skunk and he smelt like one. (laughs) Oh, perfect. I don't know why he shot the skunk, but he shot it anyway. In the Porcupine Hills. In the Porcupine Hills and he stunk. And so we go... You'd think he'd shoot a porcupine there. And, uh, like, he stunk, like, pretty bad and... So I go into this teepee trailer. He's like, I'm not sleeping in there. I'm like, pretty uppity for a guy with uh, smells like a skunk. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, oh, you're, you're probably right. So we cleaned it out and we slept in it. <laughs> they eventually moved it at some point. I don't know what ever happened to that TV trailer, but uh, boy, the memories will last forever. Yeah, that's like you get the, that perfect morning when you're out there pooping. You're like, this is why I do what I do. <laughs> We've squandered about a half hour. Yeah, that's probably about... pretty good. And the dog looks a little upset. Yeah. Wants to go outside. You can hear the dog in the background. But, uh, well, well, thanks for spending this morning with us. And thoroughly, Well, you're spending the morning with me, actually. but uh... Thoroughly wasting your time listening to this <laughs> nonsensical... Oh, I thought animal. you were thanking me. No, no. That the... Oh, no, you're thanking the no, guest. No, thank you for spending this morning with me. <laughs> uh, but we better get going because the dog's about to chew his way through the crate. So thanks for listening. We'll catch you later. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. 
For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.